let's learn what's actually possible and let's dream about what would that look like? What would it look like if I were financially independent? And I'm not trying to get students to necessarily decide that they want to be financially independent or that they have to work towards this thing. I just want them to think about like, what would be the impact of not having to work for money all of the time? And how would you structure your life if you were able to do that? That was from my conversation exploring the walk of life with creator of Intentional Money Life, Michelle Onaka. Michelle creates educational Instagram-sized financial visuals, as well as short two- to four-minute videos that teach fundamental concepts about personal finance, such as taxes, investing, and more. Michelle is not a financial advisor, and her mission is to teach people the fundamentals so they can make their own decisions equipped with a better understanding. I love my conversation with Michelle, and I'm really excited to share it. As always, thank you to Misha Zarens for the music in today's show. Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast, Michelle Anaka. How are you doing this evening? Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing pretty well. Today is awesome. the end of my work day, my, my the oh. end of my work week. So, oh, <laughs> yeah, Friday is always the best day, even if it's not really a Friday. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, well, Michelle, you run uh, Intentional Money Life, uh, websites intentionalmoneylife.com. We'll have links in the show notes for that. But, um, I wanted to just ask you first up, you know, what is your mission with Intentional Money Life? My mission is to help people build financial education, apply it to themselves, and intentionally create a life that they love. So I feel like there's, you know, those are the kind of three key pieces to me that I don't think a lot of financial literacy education includes. Often Mm. they provide information to you, but it's not really like, well, what does this mean and how do I use it? Or maybe they provide the application, but they're not providing this idea of like, what's the point of all of this? Why are we doing this in the first place? What are you working Mm. towards in the first place? So yeah, I think that all three of those, these, those pieces are really, really important. And so I figured I should start a company and work on putting it out there. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's great. And I, I would agree entirely. Um, it's, I mean, this is a cliche to say at this point, but it is crazy how, um, you know, obviously important and critical financial understanding, financial literacy, whatever you want to use is to our lives. Um, but at the same time, how little emphasis there is on it, like in our education system. And then really, if you don't come from a family that talks about that kind of stuff, I mean, you might be well into your twenties or thirties before you're even really aware that this is a conversation to have. Yeah. Um. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I work. So before I started this company and also still, I work for um, the university and the local university we have, you know, it's a liberal arts institution. We have what's called a back core where students have to take, you know, courses that cover certain concepts. We do not have a financial education component as a part of that back core. (laughs) Right. Yeah. When I was in high school, which I know complete tangent there, but when I was in high school, I was signed up to take calculus when I was a senior, wasn't clicking, told them I wanted to drop it, but I still needed other math credit. So then I got transferred to this, this class called business math, which was, it sounds like, oh, well that might be useful. And it was in the most practical sense. Like we learned how to like write checks and (laughs) balance checkbook and 
very, very basic kind of stuff, which again, if you're not familiar with it, then great. But it's, it had still had nothing to do with like the kind of stuff you're talking about, you know, with financial education or financial literacy. Um, and that just, I mean, I took an accounting class in college and you're learning how to balance, you know, credits and debits, but you're not learning why <laughs> other yeah. than maybe you'll be paid to do it or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was, um, I was an economics major and I actually did, there was a personal finance class and I wasn't able to take it. So even mm. as an economics major in undergrad, I didn't, <laughs> didn't get right. financial literacy training either. Wild. So, so I'm curious then, I mean, why, what, what did draw you to this? I mean, I know you said you thought those things were important, but what really called to you to, to start a business with yeah. it? Yeah. So it's a long story. So <laughs> great. <laughs> so, okay. So I mentioned that I work at the university. So I am a TRIO SSS academic counselor. And so TRIO SSS is a federally funded program that supports students who are first generation and their families to go to college and who are Pell eligible or low income um, mm. or who are students with disabilities. And so we are federally funded. We have to provide certain things. One of the things that we have to provide is financial literacy. And so I get to talk to students about finances all the time. And so that was kind of the, the first piece of it. The next piece was I started really getting more into kind of the investing side of things. Like I, I knew a lot about, you know, how to keep a credit score good and how to stay out of debt. I knew all of those kinds of things, but I even for myself had never really learned about investing. And so I think it was around 2019 or 2020. I just kind of did a deep dive for myself, like building up mm. my own knowledge and as a part of that, there was a, a particular podcast that I listened to. And this person was saying, you know, I'm working to get financial literacy education like into K through 12 schools. And it just made me think like, you know, I should try to teach a course. And so at the university in my trio program, I decided to pitch that I would teach a financial what I called it was trio SSS planning your financial future. And so it's only for trio students. So I can't I can't help all the other students at the university, but mm. um, like, yeah, it was that, that podcast that was like, yeah, you're <laughs> right. I guess I know a lot now that I'm still not an expert, but I know a lot that the students don't know. And mm -hmm. I have the opportunity and like, I kind of have a platform to be able to, to explore it. And so last spring I taught my first um, session of the course. And I probably did a t terrible job, truthfully. Um, you know, it was my first time teaching the course. I was making it up. I was only working part-time in the first place. We were in a pandemic. I had two little kids. Um, <laughs> but still, with all of that, I still got good feedback. And I felt like it was going to have a long-term impact on the students. And that's kind of that's that's kind of where I'm always going. I'm always interested in how can I impact the students for the long run. Um, yeah. So then teaching the class that led me to like, okay, that was really cool. And then I was like, huh, I guess it'd be nice to get this out to more people. So. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. If you had something no. else, I didn't mean to no. cut you off. Oh, no, I was going to say I, I, something that I think that's, um, that I also think is a really awesome lesson from what you just said. That's actually independent of the topic at hand is that you're, you don't feel like you're, you know, that, you know, all of it right? Like you, you, it's not this complete mastery in any question that comes your way, you already know it or something, but that didn't stop you from still going out and a, you know, for yourself, trying it and trying to teach it, but B also, as you said, helping the students and, and teaching them. And I think that that's uh, the reason I think that's so important is because 
I think that it's easy for people to see themselves as like, well, maybe I'm not fully equipped to, to help someone else or, but I mean, similar to your own experience, you didn't get everything you knew from that one podcast, right? But it at least created a spark that then created a curiosity. And then that's what drove you. Um, and I'm sure your course does more than create <laughs> curiosity. So I don't mean to imply that it's the same, but just simply that it's like, I think it's an important lesson for people to, yeah, to think about that, to think about that you don't have to be, um, I don't even want to say perfect, but you don't have to be at the yeah, very top of a field. Yeah. yeah, to help. Yeah. Well, but I also don't want to diminish your, you know, and say that you're not an expert or something. So I, <laughs> well, know. I would say I'm not an expert. Um, <laughs> but I think, yeah, no, that, and that was part of it, absolutely, for me. What I finally came to was like, okay, there are experts on this. And are those experts lining up to teach my students this information? And that was what led to it. And and I honestly, if I hadn't, if I hadn't taught it to the students, I wouldn't have ever thought to decide to try to teach it to anyone else, right? Like I needed those kind of steps of like, well, no one else is teaching it. And then now it's like a little bit more scary because now I'm putting it out into the world. And a lot of people are putting stuff out into the world. But I have to recognize that, you know, maybe the way that I frame it or then maybe the visuals that I create, maybe that will have an impact. And yes, there's a lot of information out there. Some of it's even really good, but also some of it's not. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with putting more good financial information out into the world. Oh, no, absolutely not. And well, and I think that's something else you just said that's super, I've, I've come to this conclusion on my own through doing this podcast, because I've interviewed a wide variety of, of life coaches, for example. Well, it turns out that the fundamental premise of, of most, you know, life coach kind of practices, it's pretty similar, right? Like it's a lot about like being in touch with yourself and um, being practicing mindfulness and those types of things. So on the one hand, it's easy to be like, haven't we already heard this message before? But every coach that I've interviewed has their own spin on it, has their own take on it. And you're right. A lot of this information was already is already out there. But if that was sufficient, then there wouldn't be this need that you're fulfilling, right? So, so clearly just because someone wrote or said the words before in their way um, didn't land for everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I'll hear students say like, oh, I decided to start investing because I saw about it on TikTok. And I'm like, well, I should be on TikTok and I should be sharing decent financial advice so that, you know, when they hear, yes, you should start investing, they also hear the message of, but first, you know, you need to have an emergency fund and, you know, here are the safe ways, safer ways to invest, you know. So I figure I might as well just compete with all of the bad information out there. And yeah, yeah just kind of frame it in my own way. And if that resonates with people, then that's awesome. Yeah, agreed. Well, and I think that, um, you know, I think that it is true also that it's intimidating when you don't know anything. And this is true of, of a lot of topics, but money is such a like, you know, essential one <laughs> that um, it can be intimidating. You know, if you go to someone who is does consider themselves an expert, oftentimes they're talking in a lot more nuanced way, right? And in a lot, a, a lot more specific things that if you're not familiar, it's just like, oh, I'm in over my head. So I'm not, I'm not even going to engage with it. Um, so I think the approach to, to the introductory level and the simplicity of it, I think is, is hugely beneficial to, to get people comfortable with the idea of thinking about it and, and processing it. Yeah. And I find I really enjoy making these visuals and these short like Instagram videos and things because it gives me the opportunity to think, kind of think in the complexities of what I've learned, but then 
synthesize it into this short thing where maybe not everyone wants to understand it at a level that I do. And they just want to know, like, here are the basics, here are the takeaways, here's why this matters, and then kind of leave it at that. And they can make their decisions on just that little bit of information. Maybe they don't need to read 10 books about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know myself, you know, if I'm perusing, you know, social media or YouTube or whatever the case may be, if I find something that's intriguing, but I don't really know that much about it, and it's a four minute video or, you know, I don't know what the length requirement is, but if it's a shorter video, then I'm probably pretty likely to check it out. But if it's an hour, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not listening because I, because I have no idea what to expect or what I'm getting into and why would I spend that time, you know? Yeah. So unless it's so a long. podcast, I'm not going to spend that much time. Truthfully, right. like, I'm fine with long podcasts, no big deal. But if it's <laughs> right. anything that requires me to watch something and listen to something, no, nah, I can't do that for very long. Right, right. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Well, so, you know, I want to go back to something you said at the beginning, and I, it's something that I noticed in looking through looking through your content. Um, you know, I think that some people are turned off when they hear the word money. Um, they, they associate it with negative things, which again, can be reasonable. But like we've said, you know, it's a, it's a, a fact of life, I guess you could say, at least in our modern world. Um, and so obviously, you're providing this information and education about financial information. But beyond that, you're also trying to help people understand how it ties into their values. And I think that that's something that's, as you said earlier, not super common. Can you talk about how how you help people do that? Yeah. So, um, so with the course, the way that I originally started it, and when I say the course, I'm talking about the college course that I'm teaching in the spring. Um, when I kind of sat down to figure out how am I going to do this, the very first thing that I thought was, you know, what's your relationship with money? What, what's, what's your money baggage? What's your, what's your money personality? Like just kind of what are all these kind of basic things about the way that you interact with money, the way that you think about money? What are your assumptions about money? Um, kind of all of those things. And I, and I really wanted to get down to what do you care about? What matters to you? What do you value? And so I ended up, and so I have now in my online courses as well, I have one, I have an, act, an activity that is about specifically just thinking about like what matters to you? What would you want to do with your life if you didn't have to work for money? So just kind of take away all of those kind of ideas of I have to work for money and I have to, you know, whatever, but just like if I could do whatever I wanted, if my life was completely my own, what would I want to do? And so when I created it for the university students, I said, okay, if that was now, or if that happened in 10 years, if kind of you were able to be fully in control of all your time in 20 years, right? What would you want to do with your time? And then I wanted them to think through, like, what are the themes of that? If they look through, they did for now, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, I think, what were the themes? And so if they found that like, what they were really most interested in was spending a lot of time with their parents or, you know, like that can really help you to see what is actually important to you. And I, and I did, I had a student say, I would want to have barbecues at my house every Sunday. You know, like there were things and these students, they weren't like, I want to fly around on a jet. They were like, right. they were like real, like, this is important to me. I would want to help my parents buy a house, I would want to do these things. I would want to, I don't know. So it was really cool. And so I kind of yeah. had them do that. And then I also have a values activity. And so the values activity is one that I found online and modified it. And it's basically like, you know, 
What are the ones that stand out to you? And then can you categorize or theme those into your top values and kind of come up with either, you know, create your own label for that basically. And so I walk them through that. And then the next piece of that, the part that I added on top of that was, and how does this connect to money? So if you say you have a value of helping others, which is one of my values, how does that connect to money? And so when I think about that, I'm like, well, I, you know, work for a grant funded program. This is helping students and they don't have to pay me at all, but I get paid. So my career, my money that I am bringing in from my university job is all about helping others. And then for instance, I have a money goal of being able to turn around and create some sort of foundation type grant situation where, you know, I, I invest a specific amount of money and then that does recurring scholarships or something. So Mm. you can think about it kind of in both ways. How do you make money related to helping others and how do you use money to help others? Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's super awesome. Something else that I noticed in your, your content was, and it's kind of related to this, but, um, you, you had a, a post talking about mental health and how that relates to money. And that's something that I, you know, like I said before, I've had a lot of life coaches on the show. I've had a variety of psychologists on the show. It's something that I really try and promote. And I, I, I really like to try and normalize conversations around mental health. I actually almost don't like the phrase mental health anymore because it, it feels too stigma-y. <laughs> but we'll go with it because that's a different conversation. But, um, but anyway, can you talk about that a little bit? Uh, That's really funny because um, (laughs) that post actually, so I created that post as part of the Plutus Awards. They are doing kind of a monthly theme. And so the monthly theme was mental health. And so I created Mm. a post and a video about that. And then today that was actually selected for their, I think they do like a weekly Plutus Awards something where they, where they talk about different people. And so one of my, that post was actually selected as one of the five or something that they highlighted, which is pretty cool because I didn't necessarily think it was all that exciting. But as you said, yeah, I mean, in my, so in my university job, I'm talking to students all the time about, you know, how are you caring for yourself? What are you doing on a daily basis to care for your mental health? Because these students are under so much, right? Like everyone right now is struggling. There's COVID and all of that. There's, um, you know, them being in school and then whatever they have going on with their family. And then these are students who are first generation college students. So it's not like they have a lot of parents who are like, yes, I know exactly how this works. I can help you with this. And then they have financial struggles on top of that. I mean, there's so much that they have to deal with. And so it's something that we talk about about a lot is just in general, you know, how are you doing? What are you doing on a regular basis for your mental health? And so for the the post, I had to think about, okay, how does it relate to money? And I think it doesn't have to relate to money in terms of like, you don't always have to spend money to, um, to work on your own mental health, right? You can oh, sure. go for a walk or something. But of course, because I wanted to bring in the money aspect, for me, at least it's like, I have two little children. And so Sometimes it's just spending money on someone else to care for them. Or I've been considering the idea of like getting a a night in a hotel just to get away, (laughs) even if I stayed in my own town, (laughs) you know, yeah. spending money to care for yourself, I think is important. And, you know, not everyone has the money to spend on that and that's okay. But I think definitely when it comes to, you know, the way you spend your money helps to show what's important to you. And if you are not showing that mental health is important to you, you know, what does that say? And what does that mean? And is there something that you might need to change? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, and that's a, that's a really interesting point. I mean, you know, for me, a a thing that I thought about also is that 
I think that people can develop spending habits. And I say this, I say people as if it's others, but me, uh, I've developed spending habits throughout my life that are, are correlated with my mental health or how I'm feeling, right? Where I will maybe spend money or buy something to satisfy some emotional need when I don't actually need the thing, right? Um, so I think there's a lot of tie-in there, similar to the way that it ties into to values. And I think that that's a lot more kind of grounded place to look at all of this from. Um, because, you know, I love that you mentioned that, you know, the college students weren't saying like, well, I want to get a private jet and fly around the world. But really, though, like, you know, the the way that money is promoted so often in media is if you have money, the reason would be so that you could be some playboy baller life, you know, <laughs> private jet setter person. And certainly there are those people and certainly that's appealing for many. But that's really there's just a lot of novelty to that. And once that novelty has gone, I don't know how rewarding that is unless, again, you're just wired for that. Um yeah. So I, I think, think it's really important to ground those conversations. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I was just going to say that, yeah, with my course, the way that I, you know, okay. So the very first week was what's your relationship with money and those kinds of things. What are your assumptions about money? What does rich mean versus what does wealthy mean? Like those kinds of conversations. And then the next week is about imagining what you could do. It's about recognizing like what can compound interest do for you? What options do you actually have available to you that you might not have known were available to you in the first place? Mm. Um, and kind of that like dreaming, it's like the dreaming week, like let's learn what's actually possible and let's dream about what would that look like? What would it look like if I were financially independent? And I'm not trying to get students to necessarily decide that they want to be financially independent or that they have to work towards this thing. I just want them to think about like, what would be the impact of not having to work for money all of the time? And how would you structure your life if you were able to do that? Yeah, no, I, I like I said, I agree completely. Um, so, you know, something else I, I wanted to talk about, I guess, or touch on was I noticed in your content, you had a lot of posts about retirement. Um, and I, I remember when I was in my 20s, that was a a popular topic that I was like, what are you talking about retirement, you know? So can you talk about how you landed at that being something you wanted to emphasize so much and, and why? I think it's mostly just because I really like to emphasize investing mm. and my perspective on investing is that it's for the long term. And so retirement might look, you know, maybe for someone that's at 40 years old or maybe for someone else that's at 70 years old, but when you think about investing from a retirement perspective, then you're not looking at, you know, can I make $500 tomorrow? You're looking at in the long run, what can I make and what opportunities can I have available to me because I did that. So I think that's why it ends up being kind of retirement specific, just because otherwise, if you talk about investing, it you, you have to make it long term to get into the type of investing that I think is evidence-based and the most likely to lead to you actually having more money in the long run. Yeah, no, I think that's um, really important as well. You know, I had a, a fellow on a couple of years ago now, probably, um, who was actually from India. And, and there he was a, a part of some financial institution. I don't remember exactly the, the name of it or anything, but but they helped people invest in the stock market. And I, I said to him, I said, it, it's hard for me to shake this notion that the stock market feels a little bit like a casino with like more rules or something, you know? And he was like, well... That can be true if you're looking at it in the short term, but you can pick any 20 year window of time, literally, 
any and there's a gain right and not just like a two percent gain or something right like there's significant gains but it is over significant time um and i think that that's you know especially last year when you had the whole GameStop thing that went crazy from reddit uh, with the stock market right and then cryptocurrencies obviously been blowing up and i think there's some legitimate probably cryptocurrency investment opportunities but then there's all these you know dogecoin and these meme coins and stuff right and so i think that yet again that's like the flashy side that's like oh well i want to do that because i could i could not have to work ever again tomorrow if i can just pick the right <laughs> stock or whatever but that's not really what investing is that's day trading and there are people way more sophisticated than anyone listening to this show already beating you at the day trading so <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. That's why when I talk about investing, I'm talking long term. I'm not talking, let's figure out what even one specific t stock. Let's just go all in. Let's do the index fund, get a little bit of every single company. You're guaranteed to get the highest performing companies because you're going to have all of them. <laughs> and right. yeah, just think about for the long term, not, not, you know, what's happening. And so I don't even, you don't need to pay attention. I think that's one of the other things is that people say, I want to start investing, but where do I start learning about which companies are the best? And I'm like, you can skip all that. <laughs> Just go straight with an index fund or an index ETF. And then you can get back all of your time and not have to worry about it. Right. Yeah. Well, and if it piques your curiosity, then as you get further along, then an individual could start to pursue more sophisticated investing or something if they were interested. But that doesn't have to be the starting point. Something that I, I noticed also in your material is, is you mentioned it just a moment ago, but it, it's compound interest. And while that might seem like a very obvious or simple thing, it's it's not to a lot of people. And and this has been talked about forever. You know, I, I was I was like, didn't Einstein say something about this? And I looked it up, and yeah, he said that it's the eighth wonder of the world is compound interest. Can you talk about? And again, I, this piggybacks obviously right into investing, but can you talk about just <laughs> what that is, why it's so powerful, why people should be thinking about it a lot more than they are? Yeah, so compound interest is interest on interest. So that doesn't sound exciting, right? Um, but if you actually sit there and you look at a chart to show how much money did you earn from that investment, it, it, it goes up and it, it goes up exponentially, right? The longer you have, the longer it can be. So I actually have... I have one um, one post on Instagram where it's literally just, okay, you invested $100. And so clearly it's only starting with $100. It's not going to get that high. But I just wanted to show that you don't have to have a lot and you can still make a big impact. And so with $100 and you don't invest anything else, assuming you get an 8% average return, in 10 years, you're up to $215. So you made $115 in compound interest over those 10 years. In 60 years, you're up to $10,125. So it's it's like mind boggling. I don't know if you've uh, read the book, um, the, Psycholo the, the Psychology of Money. Mm -mm. Um, it is, 
he has a chapter where he talks about how like, it is honestly not something that we can understand because it's we think of like two plus two equals four, but it's not adding, it's multiplying. Right. Uh, yeah. So that book is by Morgan Housel. I don't know how to say his name, um, but it's a really interesting book. And yeah, it's the thing with compound interest is that it's it's not logical. And so we have a really hard time understanding it. And that's why you have to really see it in action to be like, oh, okay, this this really matters. And I actually need to pay attention to this. And so, yeah, I include um, in that in week two of my class at the university, it's all about, okay, what's compound interest and what could it do for you? Because just like sometimes people think with investing, it's this short term, like I have to figure out which companies to work with. When you think about investing, also often people think, well, I have to invest a lot of money. I need to have $5,000 and I need to be able to keep contributing $5,000 or something. But if you have a lot of time, you don't need anything like that, right? You can you can make a very significant impact on your future quality of life by doing a pretty small uh, contribution because of compound interest. Right. Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. So another thing that I, I noticed you, uh, we spoke to this a little bit, I think already, but, you know, helping people with, with taxes, what kinds of questions do you get around filing taxes? And the reason I ask that is, you know, I don't have a sophisticated financial life. So for me, filing taxes, I'm always doing the standard deduction. It's TurboTax. I mean, yes, I have some stocks and, and 401k and, you know, little things like that, but it's still pretty easy. And there's not really that much that I'm thinking about. Is that normal or is, or is it more sophisticated than I think it is? <laughs> no, I mean, I think that that, that is like, that's what most people's experience is. I think though, that because it's complicated and because we're using something like TurboTax to do it, which I, I use as well, <laughs> um, mm. it's all hidden from you, right? It asks right. you questions and you give them answers and you don't know where does that answer go? What does that have to do with anything? Is this going to give me a credit or is this going to charge me something else? What's the difference between a deduction and a credit? What are marginal tax rates? How do those work? I mean, all of these things that if you don't understand them, you can't make good decisions around taxes. You know, mm. I, I was actually just talking with a student a couple of weeks ago and she was saying like, oh, do you ever have to worry about, you know, crossing into the next tax bracket? And I'm like, no, no, you don't ever have to worry about that because she didn't understand how marginal tax brackets worked. Right. And so it's just, it's kind of like, just like the foundational information that we should all be taught about taxes that we're not taught. Mm. And if someone did teach it to you, they didn't explain like, why was that actually important to know? But if you're trying to make decisions about, you know, do I want to make Roth contributions or traditional contributions, understanding how much that's going to save you, understanding what a marginal tax bracket is, is really helpful. Or even like politics, you're trying to decide who to vote for, or you're trying to understand what's what you see in the news. People often don't understand it. And they try to say, oh, they're taxing me at 75%. And it's like, no, no, they're not. Like being able to just have the knowledge to, to kind of it's like you have a BS detector by just having a little bit of tax knowledge, I think. Right. Yeah, no, I, it's completely true. And, um, you know, I had I had a friend that had, I think he had some cryptocurrency, but he'd held it for years. And he was, he was really, really nervous about selling it because he thought he was going to get taxed at some crazy rate. And, and I, I just showed him like the capital gains tax rates. And he fell into the long-term category, of course, because he held it for long enough. And, and he, yeah, he was completely shocked. Like, oh, well, that's a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. And it's like, yeah, to your point, 
and it's not like you have to have a really sophisticated, you don't work at the IRS now just because you know <laughs> these little bits. And yeah, it can do a lot to diminish a lot of anxiety and fear around those kinds of those kinds of topics. Yeah, and it helps you to make decisions. You know, I had someone on Instagram send me a message the other day and say, so what's the point? Like, why should I even invest inside of my retirement account when I can just invest in a taxable account? And what we ended up discovering was that um, her partner had invested in a taxable account, wanted to move that investment to a different account and sold it for short-term capital gains. And they didn't have any understanding that they were going to have to pay taxes on that. And so, yeah, it's just like these, I think so often people hear the advice to invest, but they don't get the rest of that that says like, okay, but when you start investing, like I said, you need to make sure you have your emergency fund set and you need to make sure that this is long-term investing. And then you need to figure out where do you need to start that account? You know, do you need to focus on the 401k? Oh, you're, you're missing out on your 401k match, but you wanted to open a taxable brokerage account, you know, (laughs) there's kind of like an order of things that you need to know. And if you don't know these things, then you're just going to kind of skip steps and then find out later, like, oh, wait a second, that wasn't actually a smart plan. Okay, now what do I need to do? <laughs> right, right. Um, well, well, like I said at the beginning, you know, you've got uh, a wide variety of content that you've made. Um, you've got blog posts on your website, um, and then you also have your Instagram. And is it also, I assume, TikTok? Then. <laughs> um, oh, please go ahead. I'm yeah, I'm pretty much on everything. I'm on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. And whatever else we just mentioned, Instagram. So YouTube. I think it's, I think it's five. Oh yeah, no, there you're right. You're right. Yep. YouTube. <laughs> I pretty um, much take the same content and put it on all the places. So I'm like, well, if I'm going to record a video, I might as well put that video on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and TikTok. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Well, I really encourage people to go check it out. And again, I'll have links in the show notes to it because, like we mentioned, it, it's bite-sized content, so you can you can really kind of scroll through and find something that maybe you're curious about or that would resonate with you, and and then get some quick information. But assuming people have done that, have listened to this, if if they wanted to to work with you, how do they go about doing that? And what does that look like? What I know you've got a few different offerings. So can you talk about those? Yeah, I think the, um, the best thing would be to consider the course level up your finances. And so you can get, I'm, I'm constantly putting out new information. And so you can possibly get a most of this information for free, just looking at my Instagram or my YouTube or something, but it's not going to be put together in an order to walk you through exactly how to do this, to give you a workbook where you then, okay, I'm, I'm looking through my taxes and now I'm going to answer these questions because that's like the lesson of, of looking through this is to help me understand these questions. And so you can get all of that stuff for free and I encourage you to go do that for free. But if you want more, if you really want to sit down and understand your financial situation and start to think about investing and start to understand your taxes and figure out what do I want my retirement to look like and what do I need to do to get there? If you want to start to do all of those things, I think the course is really good because, yeah, I walk you through kind of like I was saying with the course that's on campus, it's it's a, a very intentional order about this is what I think you need to start with. But of course, if you come on Instagram, you're just going to come to whatever. And that's awesome, too. But I do think it's important to go through kind of a, a specific um order of, okay, first, let me see what's important to me. And then, you know, as I kind of build on, and so it goes through investing, but the investing piece at that point is just, let's understand what the stock market is. Let's learn about that technology. Let's understand, 
not technology, terminology. Let's understand why I should be investing. You know, what is the impact of inflation over time? Understanding these key pieces. And then we can move on to taxes. We're going to skip, like we're not going to do the final investing stuff. We're going to move on to taxes because you need to understand taxes to be able to make some of the other investing decisions that you make. And so it kind of can walk you through each step. And then in each step, there's an activity in the workbook that's you know, how does this relate to me? What do I need to do? How can I figure out my answer for this? So I'm never going to be someone who says everyone should invest this much percent in this thing and you should always, you know, it's all about you. It's all about how how will this work for you? What makes sense to you? Do you want to invest international versus U.S.? Here are some resources. Here's Portfolio Visualizer where you can look to see, okay, what's that going to look like? What does that look like historically? And so it gives you everything that you need uh, to be able to make those decisions. Um, and so that the course, I think, is a really good place to start if you're wanting more than just what's available for free. And then I also offer strategy sessions. So this is something I find I do with my students all the time. We're always strategizing about everything. And then I have people, you know, randomly messaging me and saying, okay, this is my situation. What do I need to do? And so I figured, hey, I should offer a strategy session where we can just sit down and say, here, let's look at everything. You know, this is how much I have here. And this is how much debt I owe here. And, you know, help me. And then we can kind of work together to figure out what to do, how to organize that to make it kind of manageable and to a place where you know what to do with it. I think that that's a really cool offering though, that individualized because, you know, you, you can talk to a lot of people, you, you can go to a bank. Um, <laughs> I, I won't even, you can go to a bank and talk to your banker about getting a loan, for example. And like, if you buy a house, they will ask you for a tremendous amount of paperwork and a tremendous amount of questions about your finances, but they actually don't really look at your situation because they're just trying to make sure that they don't have any liability. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're just trying to make sure that from a business perspective in their world, it makes sense, but they're not actually helping you make sense of your finances at all. Right. Um, and so I think it's, I, I think in a lot of coaching, it's, it's very generalized, which is great because then it's a wider audience, but having that ability to sit down with someone and look at their situation, uh, that's just really valuable and frankly, pretty rare. Yeah. I wanted to offer the strategy session because I think that there's, there's kind of a gap. So there's financial coaches who I think usually are doing a, a over time, like a continued conversation. And I'm, it's not that I'm not open to continued conversations, but I think sometimes people just need like one off, let's sit down, let's figure things out. And then maybe I can check in with you occasionally, but I don't need to work with you every week or every month to deal with this, you know? So it's kind of meeting a need that I think maybe some people have that they're not getting from either a financial coach or say a certified financial planner. So maybe they're not really wanting to, maybe they don't have that much money. And so they're not really trying to work with someone who's going to, you know, cost that much <laughs> over time. Yeah. Well, and when you go to these, you know, I went to, um, I stopped into the bank recently to get a new debit card and I had transferred some money around, but it wasn't, it was just a, it was just in the middle of a transfer. So in my checking account at that moment, I had more money than I normally would. But again, it's not because I now have that balance. It was just a transfer situation. So the, when I go to get my replacement debit card, though, the, the banker, the teller looks at my account and says, oh, I see you've got extra money in your checking account. How about we talk about some investment opportunities? And I declined to, to hear those. 
but my point in bringing that story up is that she's not and she's doing her job so i'm not trying to villainize this this woman <laughs> um but she's not actually looking into my financial life and understand trying to understand what's actually best for me she's trying to sell a product for the business she works for which again is understandable so not that she's evil or that they're evil for selling it but that is very different than someone actually looking at your life situation and going hey let's talk about what makes sense for you um and so i just wanted to make that distinction because it'd be like oh well, my my bank's willing to talk to me about this like not in that way they're not actually <laughs> yeah yeah and i find that often people will ask questions but they leave out all the key information right they just say what should i invest in and then you're like well hold on were you ready to invest in the first place where are you investing like you know there's so many things that you need to get to to get to a, a succinct answer that i feel like it makes a lot of sense to just yeah let's have a strategy session let's bring all of your stuff and then we can work together to figure out okay what are your goals what's your money situation how much money do you have extra each month do we need to go through your budget line by line to figure out if we can find some more income you know being able to do all of those things and then it can be a like i said it could just be a one-off okay, I helped you get organized and that's it. And maybe you send me some messages occasionally on Facebook because I get a lot of those random messages mm -hmm. like, oh, what's happening? What does this mean? And that's fine. <laughs> I'm happy to do that. Um, or, you know, maybe you decide that you want to come back every certain amount of time and kind of look at everything again. Um, but I, one thing that's a little bit tricky that I still haven't quite figured out is within the financial space, you have to be really careful because I don't want to be giving financial advice. Right. Right. I'm trying to educate them and trying to educate them and talk about their own situation in a way that's collaborative and in a way that's smart and like, oh, you think that you should maybe you should do this. OK, well, what about this situation You know, to right. really just help them think through it for themselves and not just, hey, here's my advice for you. You should do this. Right, right. Well, yeah, you're not, you're not, you're not making a commission on <laughs> whatever investment vehicles they use. So, right, right. Um, well, and in in my life in higher education, you know, we're always kind of, you know, the world of higher education is all about helping, like self authorship, helping people to be the author of their own story, right? And so, mm -hmm. I can't imagine doing anything different than just saying, "Let's walk through this, and we'll talk about what are some of the pitfalls of this, or you know, what would make sense here? What should we focus on?" And so, it's very collaborative and not, not, um, yeah, not just like do this, do this, and right. pay some money for it. <laughs> right, right. No, yeah, I love it. Um, well, Michelle, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, chatting with you this evening. Again, Intentional Money Life is the name of your business, and intentionalmoneylife.com is the website. I'll have uh, links in the show notes for people where they can just click directly there to go to the website. And I'll also have links to your social media so they can check that stuff out as well. Um, and if someone does want to work with you, the best way is to just go to the website and sign up. Is that correct? Yeah, you could go check out my website. You can always reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook or any of those things. If you prefer, send me an email. Um, but through the website, you can get to the courses and through there, you can actually just go ahead and purchase. But if you have questions and you want to, you know, reach out and talk to make sure that this is a good purchase for you, you're welcome to just reach out anyway. You can find me lots of ways. Okay, cool. Um, well, Michelle, again, really appreciate your time this evening. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
Josh aggression being overproud, afraid and running quickly in place. Violent hands are your ending to hell, damn my stubborn embrace. How dare you not go around? How can you sell your people out? Why are you cold and trill? Or do you sell the poor line kill? Is this spark that turns to a flame that burns? Is this dream that's bound to a flood that drowns the good inside of you? You can't shoot your way out of this one. You can't bury this in now. You can't beat the hell out of this one. Well, that's all for the show today. Thank you so much to Michelle for stopping by and sharing her walk of life. I also want to thank Misha Zarens for the music in today's show. And last but not least, thank you, listener, for listening. I also invite you to check out my other shows, Pick Up Your Sticks, which is a video game podcast where we explore the idea of why gaming matters, or my other show, The Crowfall Podcast, which shares stories and perspectives from the MMO Crowfall. Both of these are available on any podcast app. As always, thanks again for the listen. Have a great week. Stay up.